0: Welcome to the Future Fair Food Podcast. I'm your host Natalie,
1: And I'm Sinead. Join us in conversations with the changemakers shaping a new fairer food system.
0: In the last episode, we explored how differently we could look at agricultural land and incentivize the protection of nature on and around farmland. This week we are expanding on this by taking a closer look at agroecology, a practice of farming in harmony with nature, which is becoming more and more widespread among the farming communities worldwide and endorsed by researchers as well as citizens. As it looks, agroecology has grown into a social movement with the aim to promote a sustainable agricultural transition towards a food system that can feed the world while protecting our environment and maintaining healthy communities. To get an insight how agroecology looks in practice, we visited Clive Bright's farm in County Sligo and talked with him about his vision of agroecology. Enjoy the episode.
2: I'm Clive.
0: And I'm Tedby. <laughs> we're from where
1: we <laughs>
2: <laughs> The way I look at agroecology is it's simply that the farm overall is just an ecosystem and um you're farming within that. And um, I have a good Welsh friend and he's he he's a, he's a Nuffield scholar and he had a, a saying he was one of these guys that, had loads of quotable <laughs> sayings, and one of them was that, um, where nature thrives is a great place for a cow to live. And uh, it's like it's, it's a really simple thing, but if you think about it, it's a real nice philosophy to go by. Mm. So, yeah, that's simply it. And like, uh, kind of drifted into farming like this because it just made sense, and uh mostly made a lot of economic sense as well um because especially where where inside Sligo the land is fine but it's borderline marginal and um there's no point in forcing it like it's mm. it's it's just silly like so intensive farming it's it's going to be an uphill battle and in beef production like you're not paid really to to make to work harder to make uh, (laughs) lots of beef because it just doesn't make sense so my kind of general philosophy is to farm within the limitations of the farm the natural limitations of the farm so we're farming organically which is a no-brainer because I was kind of doing it already and I just slipped into it afterwards but um, I guess yeah the 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 thing is just to try and fit the livestock into wh- what I can try and imagine is a natural ecosystem here and try and focus on building that natural ecosystem and um, which was probably a lot more trees and kind of open pasture or woodland pasture that's kind of the long term goal get a lot more trees in mm-hmm. um, like one of the main kind of problems here would be would be rush rush infant infestation and um it it's a kind of a it's a it's an issue for organic farms because you can't spray them. Spraying them doesn't work anyway. No, they, gr- doesn't work <laughs> they anyway. grow back. It doesn't solve <laughs> the actual problem. And I uh, I think a lot of farmers who think in an agroecological way are uh, organic farmers or regenerative farmers strive towards if there are problems on the farm is to get into the root of them and, uh, rather than uh, tackling the, the effect so yeah spraying rushes does not tackle the cause <laughs> of rushes which yeah. is compaction poor water cycle high acidity probably a lot of iron in the soil all those kind of things so by spraying rushes none of that is going to be solved you'll clean up your field and maybe grow some more grass for a season or two but uh, at what cost to all the other wildlife in the area. And the other like the other way to manage them is to top them, which is, is a little bit better. You're burning diesel and wasting loads of time. Uh-huh. It's kind of <laughs> like mow- mowing a lawn. <laughs> On the other hand, I plan to do a lot of topping in the next few years because rushes do... In fields, and they get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and stronger and stronger. So topping does knock them back, but still not solving the problem. Yeah. <coughs> but it's not not the worst thing because you're all the organic matter is going back into soil and and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I'm topping as a intermediate measure to what would hopefully solve it, which is tree planting and a kind of agroforestry system. The hope is that with a lot of extra trees within the pasture that eventually there'll be a network of roots different different root levels that will break up the the compaction in the soil and just create a more functioning water cycle and that should get to the root of the rush problem i hope (laughs) um and if it doesn't i'm still going to have loads of lovely trees, trees lots of shelter um, browse for the cattle, so sort the of more diverse diet. They shelter from the sun and from the wind, and um, the grass that grows under trees grows more consistently throughout the year as well. Like this, mm. it's pretty much a no-brainer as far as b- put in well-designed trees within a pasture is a no-brainer. It's even in Loch Gal, which is the only agroforestry long-term agroforestry site on the island. It's in, in the north. And their research from last year during the drought was, was that there was no they, they have a side by side control one with no trees and one with a stand vash which will all eventually die if ash die back but <laughs> 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 it was awful but but uh, under their uh, under their trees they they had no drop in production because they've been recording their grass production for the last uh, I think it's twenty five years they've been running oh, wow. that trial and and also their winter is shortened they graze sheep underneath the trees and their winter is shortened it's 6 months on the open pasture and it's 4 months on the, the trees so they, they actually they grow grass for that much longer mm. so so that's, that's the plan so just by simply mimicking the natural ecosystem or what I perceive was the natural ecosystem and trying to work with that I have all these extra gains I have an easier farm in life I have loads more grass I solve my rush problem without this kind of addictive process of having to top or spray over and over and over again and um, the cows are much happier and healthier and the beef is much tastier and nutrient dense and all that happens just because I think through the problem and try and solve solve the cause rather than the effect. Mm.
0: It sounds very much as well as you're thinking of the whole system really. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, yeah, you have to, yeah, because mm. um, I guess conventional agriculture has been very reductionist, as in, uh, by its nature it sees a problem, mm. solves a problem. It's usually a mechanical or <laughs> chemical kind of uh, solution that makes some company very wealthy, and Oof, the farmer yeah. slightly poorer. Basically, uh, farming is a is a, a is an amazing uh, kind of industry if it's stripped back to its fundamentals because if you own your land, which is, is a huge privilege, and you own your animals, which is another huge privilege, <laughs> basically if if you strip all everything else away, all you should need is one energy source and that's the sun, because mm. it grows free plants from your soil that as a steward of the land you should be able to Sustain in a healthy way, and then it grows animals, which grows protein, or we can grow vegetables or crops or whatever. And um, so, they're really, if you strip everything else away, you should be able to make money for nothing on a farm, and that's that's what made farming so important. And it it kind of became a, a eureka thing at one stage uh, when like I have some sheep running on the land on earth. They I bought them. Um, just to add another layer to the biodiversity and I'm no interest in sheep don't know anything <laughs> about them and I said I'm just going to keep a few on the land and we, we manage all our cattle with a single strand of electric wire and the sheep can go under it so there's a tiny flock I think there's five yos and a ram and they just run wild on the farm and I see them when I see them they run away from them they're we're
1: surviving because sheep can only find a million ways to yeah, die like. well, I got, like, got
2: really hardy mountain Jacob crosses first and they were great um, and I used to take them in once a year and shear them and um, I castrate the ram lambs on the same day and let them out again the next time I'd see them would be to bring them in and take the lambs to the abattoir and that, w- that was it Yeah, two days work and like with those five they generally had twins so I had 10 lambs and then I was direct selling them so netting over a grand for two days work which is <laughs> magic like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good private economics <laughs> and I've made it now rev- everyone
1: is going to want to be a sheep farmer <laughs> all the sheep <laughs> farmers are like how is he making
2: it <laughs> um, just by keeping five <laughs> <laughs> yeah to say not yeah, so they have no parasite pressure because there's such a low stocking rate, and they're just going around grazing grass. I don't even notice the impact they have on because are such a small flock. But like it grows, like the, they've there's ten lambs there as well, so there's sixteen yeah. sheep running around. But um, there are only the ten lambs are there for the summer, and then I said that's kind of the goal for the cattle herd. Got to get it not not quite so simplistic and not but just that kind of fundamental, that thing that th- the animals are on the land, they're living off the fat of the land and I'm taking the surplus and I'm profiting from it and that's kind of the privilege of being a farmer. But industrial lag has pushed everybody down a different avenue which just kind of m- makes them empty their pockets along the mm. way mm. and uh, there's no need for it really. And especially on marginal land where it makes no sense to push land, so. That's why my whole thing is is farming within the limitations of the land without having to bring in huge inputs without having to waste money on trying to grow better grass i, I do do a little bit of that but but uh just wasting loads of money and time and sorting mm-hmm. stuff like whereas if you just let the natural process go use the livestock as as an ecosystem tool and with minimal intervention and we'll do mob grazing, which is a very controlled way of managing the land, but the time that takes up is is small, and uh, overall, yeah, basically trying to get the land and the animals to do all the work, and then just clean the fat off the top.
0: And you mentioned the selling direct to the to the customer. Yeah. So, how important is that for you to, for your economics to, to um work to?
2: That's that's very important for me making a, a good living, but without that if i was to take all that part away that's what makes my makes me be able to be a full-time farmer on quite a small farm because that's my second job is direct selling all the meat Mm. but without all that the farm stacks up economically without Mm. that well it does better than
1: conventional
2: uh, yeah a similar conventional farm which would have twice the cattle and all that kind of stuff but, but
1: it's, it's another example of, less, of yeah. transition, Do you know, of, of farmers who are in a conventional model, you know, that there are other alternative ways to farm, that it's a way to transition. You know, a lot of farmers think, oh, well, um, if I don't sell direct, you know, if I, because they can not sell direct, so yeah. if they have a full-time job yeah, or whatever, yeah. that they're <laughs> caught within that system. Yeah. But actually, they could farm better,
2: Totally yeah. farm
1: with agroecology in mind, if the supports were there, which they're currently yeah. not. And still not have to direct sell if they were working in another job, so totally, it's a perfect yeah. transition yeah. if we yeah. got that proper it's support m- to much do, much do it. It's a much
2: easier life as well. Yeah, you know, like the farming part of your life becomes a lot easier because you're letting the natural processes do it do Yeah, it. control yeah. Yeah. in a natural environment. Yeah,
1: yeah. So obviously, with the map that we we're, that we're still creating, um, we're trying to map farmers who are like yourself, agroecology. Um, is their kind of core principle to farming
2: Yeah.
1: (coughs) because what we're trying to get across to what we're trying to help a lot of people with is to make more informed choices about our food because food and climate change and biodiversity are inherently interconnected and the current debates out there are very um, seesawish and a lot of the solutions put forward are very single-minded almost the same way as conventional agriculture finds a problem, fix a problem, finds a problem, fix a problem doesn't realise that problem has caused that problem has caused that problem a lot of the solutions that are put forward is the same thing. So we're trying to get across to people why, how you farm is really important. That it's not just about, you know, a sticker saying this is sustainable farming. This is really complex farming and not so complex in some ways. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, it is complex in the sense that I have to figure out what because cause this is a farmed landscape and it's been farmed for years and I have loads of things in my head that go, this is the way it should be or that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. I, I, Like, nature is hugely complex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not complicated. Is that Owen Saber's mm-hmm. thing? <laughs> it's not complicated, <laughs> it's complex. Uh, and it's got loads of nuances of weather and everything else. And all I can do is... Is model that the best I can Uh, and um, so that is the complicated thing and and learn as much as I can and constantly never be arrogant about it.
1: For the citizens out there who don't farm and don't come from a farming background there's a lot of language out there that you obviously have organic farming it's certified you have agroecology which we're introducing and you've got regenerative and you've got holistic and you've got all these different names but really they're all for coming under this principle of farming within those natural limits yeah. but you're still able to create food and there was a recent um, article uh, and recent research that came out and said that we actually could transition within the next 10 years to a, a particularly nature friendly, climate friendly, biodiversity friendly farming through this agroecology approach, the kind of approach that you're talking about, the kind of approach that Dolores has researched and things like that We could have that future if we got the supports for it. And I think listening to you all of this, you've done off your own bat. There's been very little support along the way for that. And we've said that food is political. So for citizens who one, they can buy your food and support you that way to stay on the land and do what you do, but in other ways people can be political with food and they can ask questions you know, like we've got elections coming up at the door of what people are doing to kind of support agroecological kind of farming, farming with nature, real farming with nature.
2: Not yeah. Yeah. <coughs> uh, like I, I kind of said earlier too, and we were off uh, Mike, that stuff makes me go to sleep. <laughs> um, it's not really what I'm interested in essentially, but I understand how important it is. And there are, there are people doing amazing work like the burn project yeah so all that policy stuff and decision uh, like cap for example <clears throat> i do my best for that not to influence my own decisions because a lot of those schemes have been flawed in the past and there's great work being done academically and everything and else and the rest. <laughs> um yeah like like Dolores and um There was also space payments. Yeah, and Brendan Dunford then at um, the Burn project, and all those all those different projects. And I think uh, they will come to designing better schemes and better cap for the future. I haven't got my head round it, and I don't. I hope it happens, but uh, I'm not going to think about it too much.
1: You're going to still keep farming as you do putting good 100% grass fed
2: beef out there that's but the plan with yeah. or without <laughs> yeah, cap money think, I, th- I think with or without yeah. cap money Yeah, because <coughs> I think although it's really important and badly designed cap is really damaging because mm. things like being punished for having gorse on your land because yeah. that's scrub where gorse has huge benefits for, for wildlife it fixes nitrogen in the soil it's the best shelter young animals can have it's a great nurse crop for bigger trees, and. Um,
1: the cap penalizes you. Yeah, the cap
2: penalizes for that kind of thing. So if you want to rail against that, y- you have to consciously either do that, or completely ignore what you're being paid for, and get penalized. <laughs> I was uh, about to
1: say you do get penalised if you don't that's the big yeah one. well
2: I do get penalised you, know,
1: you can be a radical rebel farmer and be yeah. like yeah screw the cap i get but, but more
2: than but that more than that it, it trains people into thinking that that's bad this is yes. good that's bad that's good and it, and it limits kind of creative thinking about how to farm um, so I think no matter what the cap of the future is and what the future schemes are they need to be very careful about limiting innovative farming and and thinking outside the box around things and allow farmers to farm their land the, the way they want and um i guess that's that's as what results
1: they think agroecologically yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah
2: but um
1: <laughs> otherwise yeah. we could end up with like the well, loss of all the few hedges we do have.
2: well that's the other thing yeah but um orange
1: and green certified sort of farmers <laughs> But again, you see,
2: uh, like, that leads people down, you know, the, the schemes model, lead people down, down directions which are, are not a, a, always holistic. Yes. Mm. So, um, yeah, so it's like, you could be very conspiracy theory <laughs> about it and, like, go, oh, that scheme is designed to guide farmers in this way to fulfil...
1: A certain... Corporate factory <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or
2: fertilizer company or whatever, but and and it's dressed up as as money for farmers, and it's not really not it's really. just directing them in a certain way, but yeah. So, but it, do, it, yeah, like things like people expect nice, clean fields with crispy edges and uh box hedges and everything else, right
1: angles that do not exist in nature, yeah.
2: And are told, uh, told that's the right thing, and here's some money for it, here you go and that becomes a societal norm and it shouldn't be like that
1: yeah I think you're right and I think that's what's really important you know um, there was a tweet that went out this week and it was someone rightly pointed out where uh, obviously a farmer had cut down trees and put up a post with a bird box on it like just the madness of this but all of the tweets after it were like, farmers are you know out to get nature and blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of going, yes, there's lots of them, but yeah. not all of us. Yeah. Because the likes of how you farm, the likes of how we farm, the likes of how everyone on the map farms, we are kind of the little minority who've had to step out of that cap system. Yes, we can be a part of certain schemes that we can kind of fit into. But normally we have to step outside all those boxes. And then in that way, we really rely on Direct sales and people's support really by buying by purchasing our food direct yeah. where they can. Yeah, because it is the only way. Because if we have to go through those other systems to get our food to you, the citizen, yeah, it's, it just yeah it just kills all those <laughs> <laughs> that fat soon becomes. Yeah, the fat a lot the less, disappears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's for sure. But <coughs> on the other hand, if if you're farming in a way that's not costing you loads of money there you go then you're winning from the start mm.
0: yeah I was just thinking there that we talked with Dolores as well about transition and I mean it's great to see that there are farmers doing this thing and what do you think would be a good way to spread that knowledge to share that do you speak to let's say conventional farmers around you and how do they receive you know what, what you are doing do we have some
2: experience yeah I think that the main thing is what we were talking about there is their ideal has been shaped and it's very difficult to crack that like for a neighboring commercial farmer to look at my place, <coughs> the first thing they see is, "Oh, rushes. there's a few ducks over there, and uh, there's a load of rushes up there." And um, that's partially my own fault because the summer got ahead of me last year and I didn't <laughs> didn't top them. But um, yeah, they just see the rushes mm. and go. Uh, but they're not seeing that I'm carrying a herd pretty much the same size as theirs, and I'm fattening it. Entirely off grass with no grain inputs and no fertilizer inputs, no sprays for the rushes, and so I've none of them costs. And if I was to sell into the conventional market, I'd still be way ahead of them. So, like, still, but you're, you're, the aesthetic, yeah, I'm the odd one, and the aesthetic is wrong for them because they,
1: yeah, they they've been primed, really
2: primed and convinced,
1: yeah, in one way.
2: That's this, this farm is not productive but on the other hand I hear nice stories there was a guy here one time who's kind of a big conventional farmer and he was doing the um, the organic introduction course what's that called?
1: Uh, uh, organic principles. the organic
2: principle one yeah the, it's the course you have to do if you want to get into the organic farming scheme and he was just tentatively preparing himself uh, wondering if he if he'd go into organics or not and he said "Oh, I always drive by your place and one thing I know I know there's rushes and weeds and everything else but you always have grass and I don't know I don't know how you do it I don't know how you do it <laughs> <laughs> <And> he's like you
1: bet he's about no no he wasn't no because like he he, he,
2: he knew he, yeah no he didn't he didn't think I was doing anything cagey but uh, that's why he wanted to come actually because he just wanted to, to figure out what I did and it's, it's very simple it's just a kind of it's mob grazing or holistic plan grazing and, um, yeah, just allowing the grass to grow naturally, recover totally before it's grazed again, and then it's it's a natural process that most people grazing just don't adhere to and um and simply by doing that, you constantly have grass, yeah. <laughs> and making sure your herd is the right size, so that you're not grazing recover unrecovered grass is is the only kind of. Major mistake you can make there, Yeah. and <coughs> there's loads of little nuances to that. But um, yeah, that's simply all I do to manage the place, really.
1: But you do that, and yet you can do that. And as you said yourself, even if you're selling into a conventional model or selling direct, yeah, you can produce.
2: Yeah, it's a cheap beef. way to grow grass. Yeah, beef, like yeah. you
1: can you can produce beef that is from a livestock animal that is a part of an ecosystem yeah. it is essential to that ecosystem yeah. it's one part of it so mm. you know that we can we can have these things in, in, in an agroecological approach but it doesn't work on every fr- like it won't work in every sector of we'll say the world that particular particular model here no means, no no like because that's agroecology yeah it's, it's designed courses, for it's here good. yeah you know it's and but that doesn't fit a global agriculture a global food system so it does force us to look again local I think you, uh,
2: yeah well I think good good agroecological solutions are completely scalable
1: yeah of course yeah.
2: Um, so uh, I think yeah
1: but there's no one there's no template like no there's no template it's scalable yeah. and adaptable scalable exactly, and exactly
2: that's, um, that's it yeah so yeah so if I was mob grazing down Tipperary I'd definitely take a different approach of course uh, um, yeah. and if I was mob grazing in even more marginal land i'd take i'd probably change my livestock entirely
1: most farmers are trapped within a conventional system and the environment around us keeps us there
2: yeah
1: and it's it's guys like yourselves that break out from it that can kind of you know show working examples but if we wanted that fast transition to a better agriculture then we need what you don't like to talk
2: about the political
1: supports, but that's what we no, need. No, I'm, I'm not
2: against it. I just don't want to you be thinking one. about <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm making you think about <laughs> it. I just want somebody else to do it. Yeah. I, 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 um, yeah, I just want to figure out how to farm better. You know, but
1: that's but that's mm. what you're supposed to do. You know, like you're not supposed to be yeah. farmer, direct marketer, social influencer on yeah. Yeah. on lots your Instagram activist. Yeah. Well,
0: you are. In a you way. know, yeah. but you
1: are like by your own actions. You are, and mm. then by supporting farmers like you and farmers who yeah. farm this way they're actually taking an active step to a new form of agriculture as yeah. well any farmer that joins the map we ask them how do they farm for soil and we've often when we're in conversation with citizens and when we hold events and in a couple of the podcasts we've mentioned soil you know that farmers like yourself and agroecologically minded farmers um farming the soil more than anything else yeah can you tell why is that so important for i say eaters but even us farmers are eaters but why is that so important for people to know why is it so important that you know what's the role that soil and you farming for your soil plays in the meat that's on the table
2: well (coughs) there's uh, that's a big big subject really isn't it? the soil is it's just fundamental you know like, like like i was saying at the start you, you should be able to farm for free and the two things that allow that to happen are the sun is your energy source and your 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 soil is is the basis of everything else but the best way to improve soil i believe because the best way to do it is to get plants to do all the work so so stripping back to that whole idea of following the natural cycles a plant photosynthesizes grows produces a load of sugar and carbon and everything else and um, 30% of the sugar it produces to grow itself, minimum in a healthy plant and healthy soil, goes back into the soil uh, to feed soil microbes and then there's that symbiotic relationship between the microbes providing nutrients to the plants and so on but the net result of that in a healthy ecosystem and in a healthy process is that there's carbon being laid down in the soil all the time and so the best way to improve your soil is to grow better plants. And, and th- those plants can be grass? Those plants can be grass, those plants can be trees, those plants can be Tomatoes. anything that grows, yeah, yeah. crop. But taking that process in mind and not shortcutting it. So the aim is to get as much of those soil exudates or root exudates into the soil uh, to feed microbes and build the carbon. And again, if it's adapted, so if those grasses are adapted to that soil, even if it's not the best soil in the world at the moment, that adapted ecosystem is functioning. Yeah. So that grass, even though it may not be the highest performance grass, <coughs> is, is taking up its maximum nutrients. It's, it's been allowed to express its photosynthesis in the, in the, to, to the optimum within the current situation and the animals are adapted to thrive on that on that expression of the plant so even though it's not all the nutrients turned up to the max because uh, this is marginal land there are marginal plants and there are adapted animals that all live in that it is the maximum for, for, for that for natural e- limit for that natural yeah. ecosystem so Yeah, so the grass, the beef, and the food that's produced is the best that can possibly be produced.
0: So we used uh, a lot of different uh, terms here, and one was, uh, you said you're an organic farmer, and then you're having an agroecological approach, and also holistic farming. There were so many different terms here, and and I got a bit confused. So can you explain a bit where where all those come in, actually? Sure.
2: Um, Well... I think people have a vague understanding of what orga- organic farming is and it's it, organic farming started as a movement and in the 80s actually as early or just as late as the 80s uh, it became a legalized term and what that did was it 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 is it, governed by European law basically so um, organic farmers have to farm within a list of rules or the organic standard Um, and its fundamental principles are much the same as agro agro ecological principles or regenerative principles or all those things because the the focus the fundamental focus is on the soil and soil health (coughs) but uh, organic essentially now is a marketing term and I don't mean that in a bad way but it's it's an assurance to the customer that food is being produced this level mm-hmm. and it's certified and things like regenerative biological farming agro-ecological farming none of those are certified or none of them are inspected but their, their movements are, it's language used to talk about uh, a type of natural farming for example some regenerative farmers or people who call themselves regenerative farmers are not organic out of principle because their principal goal is to, is to follow a, a set of kind of um, yeah regenerative farming principles, which are <laughs> uh, keep the soil covered, uh, uh, always try and have a plant grown in, in the ground, always uh, never till the soil, um,
1: conservation agriculture, yeah
2: so yeah, and there's ca- now. I think it's really important that none of these things become marketing terms, mm. really. That they are a farmer-based movement and that they the, the importance of them, as opposed to organic agriculture, is they have no limitations. The farm, organic farmers have limitations, such as mm. you must not spread synthetic fertilisers, you must not spread herbicides or pesticides and all the rest. Sometimes regenerative farmers use sprays as a tool to get to where they want to get to Mm -hmm. to achieve a goal and i'm not advocating that but what has happened because of that is that they are being they are pushing agroecological farming a lot faster because organic farming is is a little bit stifled within the rules Mm -hmm. of itself and just the nature that there are rules and limitations can limit thinking Whereas farmers who are farming regeneratively or agroecologically can do what they want. Mm. And their goal is to improve their soil, improve their ecosystem and farm profitably in most cases. So they're they're striving without any limitations and it allows for more blue sky thinking. And and as a result, uh, advancements in no-till agriculture have have escalated at a pace which never have happened if it was solely within Mm. organic farming. So it's a really, really powerful and uh important movement and all those terms kind of loosely fall under the same bracket. But they're they're all farmers and growers uh striving towards farming in a more natural way without any boundaries, which is great. And yeah, that's the way that's the way I'd parcel up all those different terms.
0: Yes.
1: Some ways it's a great way to help farmers who are in a conventional model to transition Absolutely, across yeah, to yeah. an organic model. Because there's a lot of things you have to do. Yeah. You know, yeah, for it us, it's like, a big leap. Yeah, it is a big yeah. leap because, we, you know, even for us, we have farmed organically for four years, but we're only going through the certification process now. Yeah. Because it was probably just. Within that time, you're figuring different things out, and yeah. you you f- sometimes you don't want to be limited. But now we're at this space where like, yeah, we could easily work within those limits. Cause yeah. We know the limits of our farm ourselves. Yes, yeah, sense. yeah,
2: entirely. Um, yeah, and like that's like um, the biological farming conference that I mentioned earlier. That's what that's what their goal is is to show people elements of a natural farming process that could be a benefit to their operation, and that's the segue into the kind of eventual perhaps becoming organic if if it's a benefit for them because mm-hmm. it is a marketing thing at the end yes. of the day so it may not be of any benefit but
1: market potential is there really. the
2: market potential is certainly there and i think it's important that the brand the organic brand isn't weakened yeah um, that they're 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 truly passionate people that are converting into organic agriculture that they're not just following a grant that's the
1: principles
2: that's behind that. Yeah. And that being said, there's people farming regeneratively that are beyond organic yeah. and still won't go organic because they still want that freedom. But and which is cool. But the as you say, the other people that want to want to see a way out of of uh, conventional agriculture, that kind of movement is hugely important. That kind of biological farming or regenerative farming movement is hugely important because they're they're seeing people who are perhaps doing no-till agriculture but still using Roundup to kill their things and they're going, oh look at the success they're having, look at the soil they're building and then they do that and they go, oh I really don't want to be using Roundup Mm. and then the next stage is to try and figure out a way, like the holy grail is uh, no-till organic agriculture which is really difficult and hasn't been solved in in temperate climate. But uh, there's loads of people working on it now because they've made that step away from tilling all the time.
1: Without without that innovation, without that yeah. it probably wouldn't happen. It'd
2: never have happened. Like yeah.
1: I think organics is really important for for those of us who don't know a farmer, who don't have the opportunity to know yeah. how they farm. Oh yeah. The organic label is the only thing we can trust. And then
2: But even know, people you do know
1: it's a way to verify it. It yeah. is a way to verify mm. it. And
2: yeah, because yeah, you can trust someone and but they the farmer themselves can feel like they're doing a fantastic job and every farmer does uh that because what you wouldn't do it unless you did and they can convince the customer i'm doing an amazing job Mm. this is really cool and i'm being really nature friendly and they're pumping thousands of liters of slurry (laughs) over everything forcing their grass up and getting their cows eaten thinking that is good and it's not. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, because
1: there's different levels of it. Like the There's different levels of good.
2: Kind of at least the, the organic label is a base. Yeah.
1: Mm. And it's
2: a high base, but yeah. it is a base.
1: Yeah.
2: It's a base standard that customers can rely on.
1: And can trust, yeah. That's it for now, folks. Thanks a million for listening. To those of you who produce food, why not join the Fair Food
0: movement? Get involved, get in touch, join us. And if you're into fair food, then become a supporting member or check out our patron page to help us create more content like this. Until next time, eat well, choose fair.